Well, again, thank you so much for this privilege. Uh, your pastor mentioned to preach the message the Lord laid on my heart, and I've been praying about it, and uh, I do believe this is a message the Lord laid on my heart. So I'm going to ask you to turn to an interesting passage tonight. I love preaching about missions, and so I'm going to preach about the missionary. But I'm going to preach about the missionary to ISIS tonight. Turn in your Bible to that book that tells us about the missionary to ISIS. Not many people are turning. I forgot to tell you. Turn, turn to Jonah, the book of Jonah, if you would, please, all right? Uh, you might not have really thought this through before, but the city of Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. And uh, just recently in the news, we've been hearing a lot about the city of Mosul in northern Iraq. The city of Mosul was one of those final strongholds of uh, ISIS in northern Iraq. You know the, northern, the Iraqi army is driving ISIS out of Iraq as we speak. And one of those final strongholds was the city of Mosul. Now directly, directly opposite Mosul across the Tigris River, all right? If you go there today and you go from Mosul across the river directly, you will be in the ancient remains of Nineveh. That's where it's at. Now I want you to keep that in mind. I, I hear the pages have slowed down. I think you're there in Jonah. We're going to read the first few verses, all right? But I want you to keep that in mind because... If God came to you like God did to Jonah and said, Arise and go to ISIS, I want you to think about how you'd feel. Now, we know ISIS is a group of people that likes to take Christians like you and me and cut their heads off on video and put it on the Internet. ISIS is a group that when their own soldiers are not aggressive enough in battle and taking enough land, they'll boil them alive or drown them in oil. Not real nice folks. But I want you to listen as I read. You don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read Nahum, the prophet Nahum in the Bible, described the people of Nineveh. And I want you to listen to the similarities between the Ninevites and ISIS in 2017. Listen to this. Nahum says the people in Nineveh are evil enemies of God. I want you to know that the God of the Bible and the Allah of Islam is not the same God. He is an evil enemy of God. The Bible says that the Ninevites were exploiters of the weak and helpless. Almost every single week in northern Cameroon, Boko Haram terrorists will take bombs and strap them on women and children and send them into refugee camps and markets and blow them up in northern Cameroon. Now, we don't hear a lot about it in America. I have no idea why. We hear about ISIS. We hear about Al-Qaeda. But Boko Haram in Africa have killed more people through terrorist attack the last five years in a row. And we don't hear about it in the news. I don't know if it's because we don't have any soldiers over there and Americans don't care. I don't know. But anybody who takes a child or a woman and straps bombs on them and sends them into a market and blows them up is somebody who exploits the weak and the helpless. The Bible says of the Ninevites that they were exceptionally cruel in war. They were worshipers of false gods, they were womanizers, and they were involved in witchcraft. Now please keep that in mind as you think of God calling Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh. Tonight's challenge is arise and go. Look at with me. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 
and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Two times in that verse, that phrase is repeated. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you again for this Lord's Day and this wonderful opportunity to gather together, not only to fellowship with one another and encourage one another, but to sing praises to you and worship you and glorify you tonight. Lord, we have opened your word, the Bible. We want to hear from you. We pray your Holy Spirit would challenge us with the same challenge that you gave to Jonah to arise and go. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Number one tonight, I want you to notice, God said go. That's the first point. God said go. Now verse 3 tells us that Jonah didn't want to go. All right. God said no and Jonah said what? He said no, right? God said go and Jonah said no. But you know what? That third verse is so revealing because we know as New Testament believers, we know that the Great Commission, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, is a commission that is given to every disciple of Jesus Christ. Every single person in this room has been given that Great Commission and you are responsible to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Now I want you to notice what Jonah says. Look again in verse 3. It says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And the end of the verse says, With them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Listen to me very carefully. When we take that great commission that God has given to us and we say, God, not me. I'm going to do something else. We are running from the presence of the Lord. To run from your responsibility of missions, to run from God's program in the world today, which is missions, is to run from the presence and the power of God in your life. You cannot have God's presence and power in your life if you are running from your responsibility to missions. That's what Jonah's explaining to us here. So number one, God said go. And I think it's interesting. We need to examine our own lives about the excuses that we give. I remember when I was on deputation, I was in North Carolina, and a man in the church came up to me. He introduced himself at a very unique name, so I still remember it to this very day. And uh, he introduced himself, and he said, you know what? I appreciate missionaries so much, he said, I could never be a missionary. Well, before I could explain to him that you can do whatever God calls you to do, he'll give you the grace to do it. Before I could even get into a lecture or a message, he looked at me and he said, and Brother Ben, I'll tell you why I could never be a missionary. He said, I have to have a hot shower every day. And I know that y'all don't have running water and electricity sometimes over there. I could never be a missionary. Well, I, I laughed just like y'all did. I thought that was kind of funny, you know. Well, you know what happened? We finished our first term. We came back for furlough. We were in that church. It's one of our supporting churches. And that guy came up to me, and I started smiling because I remembered him. That was one of the most unique conversations I've ever had in my life. And his name was kind of unique. And so I remembered him, and he said, Brother Ben, you probably don't remember me. And I just smiled. And he said, but I'm, I'm going to tell you something tonight. Since you've been here during this missions conference, the Lord's been working on our heart as a family about going and visiting Cameroon and helping you all out there. I said, well, that would be great, brother. Listen, I'll tell you what. We will try the best we can to keep the power on so that the water will be hot and you all come and visit us. And you know what? They prayed about it. We stayed in contact. And he came a few months later and he said, yes, the Lord wants us to come and visit 
He pulled money out of his retirement fund so that he and his five kids and his wife could come and visit us in Cameroon. He landed in the regional capital there. I drove down from our house. I was there in the airport just before I picked him up. My wife called me. She said, Ben, you're not going to believe this. From the time about an hour after you left, the power went out in the house. There is going to be no hot water when they get up here. I was like, oh, great. They're going to get up there. If the power doesn't come on tonight, he's going to get cold water, and he's going to go home the first day. Well, they came, all right? And we brought them up to the house, and they were so excited. I mean, they were tired. I'll, I'll tell you, they were tired. It's a long trip to get to Cameroon. But, but they were rejoicing in the Lord. The next morning, I thought, well, I better go heat some water up on the fire so that they at least can take a warm bucket bath, you know? And before I could get things going, I heard the shower going. I thought, oh, no. He's in there. He's going to, uh, this is it. He's going to want to go home right now. I heard the water kept running, kept running. Finally, I was standing at the door. I was going to offer a warm bucket of water to him if he wanted it, and he came out with a big old smile on his face. He said, Brother Ben, that's my first Navy shower right there. He was, he was so thankful. Why? Because he was right in the center of God's will. He was not running from the presence of the Lord. God said, I want you to go to Cameroon and help the Sinclairs. And he said, all right, Lord, I'll go. But you know what? When he obeyed, joy and grace and peace flooded into his heart and life. And they helped us, and they did vacation Bible school with us, and we had a wonderful time. You know what? We need to quit making excuses. We need to quit running from the presence of the Lord and run to the presence and power of God in our lives and get involved in the program that he's called us to do. So number one, God said, go. Now we read in chapter 1, verse 4, when Jonah was going the wrong way, God sent a wind, a storm, and he knew exactly where that was coming from, didn't he? The sailors came to him and he said, listen, pray to your God. All of you, pray to your God. We're going down. And Jonah said, no, no, I'm the, I'm the reason. What you guys need to do is you just need to throw me overboard. Can you imagine? That must have been strange. Who is this nutcase? Just throw him overboard? He's not even praying. He already told him that he was a prophet of God. Why doesn't he pray? But he said, no, you need to throw me overboard. He knew where that wind was coming from. It was a reminder to get back with God, His program, get back with the person of God and the program of God, which is missions. Well, you know their story. It's a very familiar story. They tried, they tried, and they tried. They could not get things going, so they threw Jonah overboard. And the Bible tells us in that same chapter 1, verse 17, that God sent a fish, a great fish that God prepared. He swallowed Jonah. For three days and three nights, Jonah got a free submarine ride back across, or not across, but under the Mediterranean Sea, back to the coast there and spit him out. Now, God didn't send a wind or a fish. I don't think a fish will swallow anybody in the parking lot tonight as you go out to your car. But God did send a missionary tonight to remind you that God's got a program in this world. God has a program. What is His program? The Revelation, the book of Revelation tells us, is to call out from every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, a multitude around, a multitude. When you see a multitude in the Bible, that means more than you can count. A multitude of people, red and yellow, black and white, to worship God and serve Him forever. That's God's program. And if we're not involved in that program, this passage tells us we're running from the presence of the Lord. Now, God gave Jonah a second chance. Look with me at chapter 2, if you would, all right? Jonah chapter 2, I just explained a little bit, his ride back. Now, look at chapter 3. 
Jonah chapter 3, we get to our second point, and it's almost word for word of the first point. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Now this is kind of a strange message, because the first point is the same as the second point. God said go in the first point, and our second point is God said go, all right? So if you're keeping notes, it's the same thing. God gave Jonah a second chance, and he said, arise and go. What a blessing to have a second chance. This time, Jonah said, okay. Now, I don't think his heart was in it, because we see in chapter 4 that he was, he was the grumpiest, successful missionary I've ever seen in my life, all right? He had a bad attitude all the way. And we teach our kids, all right? In our home, we teach our kids... True obedience, that is obedience that the Bible teaches, true obedience is when we obey immediately, completely, and joyfully. Can I say that again? True obedience is when we obey immediately, completely, and joyfully. And Jonah did none of those things, all right? He did not obey immediately, but God gave him a second chance. He did not obey completely. Say, Brother Ben, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible says every time God describes Nineveh is described as a great city. In fact, the Bible says it is so great, so huge, that it took three days to walk from one end of Nineveh to the other end of Nineveh. And the Bible says that Jonah began to enter Nineveh, and then he left. He preached one verse. You probably wish some of my messages were one verse, right? That'd be out of here, right? But listen, he preached one verse, and he left. He went up on the hill, and he sat there, as you know very well, waiting for fire and brimstone to come down, and for those wicked Ninevites, as we would say today, ISIS, to be destroyed. And that's not what happened. Now, thankfully, the message continued to spread, didn't it? The message went all the way to the palace, and the king heard the message, and, and the king repented, and he told his people to repent, and something wonderful happened. This is our third point. Something wonderful happened. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, that God saw their faith. Let's look at that verse. Don't miss this. Jonah chapter 3, verse 5. The Bible says, so the people of Nineveh believed God. I just want to stop right there. There are so many perversions of the gospel out there. You saw in, in the presentation tonight. When I got to Cameroon, I thought, boy, we got a lot of Pentecostals in this country. And I tried to rationalize that and justify that, and I thought, well, you know, Pentecostals, they're, they're mixed up on the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts and all that, but at least they're preaching the gospel until I heard them preach. And I realized, they're not preaching the gospel. They're not preaching the gospel from this Bible. Right. Health and wealth and all this kind of stuff. Right. Preaching that if you don't live up to whatever the pastor's standard is, you're going to lose your salvation and all this nonsense that is not the grace gospel of the Bible. Right. I realized, that's a different gospel. And people try to tell you, well, there was a gospel in the Old Testament, and there was a gospel in the New Testament, and the gospel in the Old Testament involved all these works and this, that, and the other. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says these people didn't even make a sacrifice. They believed in God, just like Abraham. Abraham believed in God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And if you're here tonight, I want to I tell you in love, coming to church cannot save you. And getting baptized cannot save you. I tell people in Cameroon, you can baptize every Sunday. It'll never wash away, not even one sin. The only thing that can save you tonight is to put your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. You need to believe and understand that you are a sinner, 
The Bible says sinners deserve death and hell forever and ever. But God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He loves you so much that He sent His Son Jesus. Just like was sung about from this pulpit tonight, just like we sang, just like I heard the choir singing when I came in earlier, Jesus was born to die. He came into this world to die for you and me, to die in our place, to die for our sins. And the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever... Are you with me? Does that include Boko Haram? Does that include ISIS? Does that include the 200 people groups in Cameroon? The Bible says that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I'm, ex- I'm just thrilled to tell you tonight. The third point tonight is God spared the Ninevites. Why did God spare the Ninevites? Because they were such good people? No, the Bible says they believed in God. And that's what you need to do tonight. You are not good enough. I am not good enough to get to heaven. But you know what? As a 12-year-old boy, I repented and believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And He saved me. He changed my life. And He can do the same for you tonight. God said go. Number two, God said go. Number three, God spared the Ninevites. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any, any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is that your heartbeat tonight? Are you willing that any should perish? I hope not. I hope not. I want to challenge you tonight. I want to challenge you to arise and go to your neighbors that live on your street. You know, one of the first things we do when we come to America, we've lived in trailers, we've lived in rented houses, we've lived in all kinds of situations. The first thing we do, we visit every home on that street and share the gospel with them. Arise and go to your neighbors. Arise and go to your coworkers. Tomorrow's Monday. When you get up and you go to work, go with the gospel. Arise and go. I hear so much today, Pastor, about lifestyle evangelism. You know what? There's nothing in this book about lifestyle evangelism. There's a lot in this book about holiness and separation, all right? But nobody ever got saved because you lived a good lifestyle. Nobody. Everybody in this room and everybody in the world that trusted Christ as Savior was saved because somebody used some lip style evangelism, and they opened their mouth, and they shared the good news with their mouth that they need to be saved. That's what we need to do. We need to arise and go with the gospel. Arise and pray. Arise and partner with your missionaries. Arise and give. You can't physically go to every country in this world, but you have the responsibility to go into all the world and preach to God. How do you do that? You do it through your prayers. You do it through your giving. And some of you can arise and you can go. I want to wrap up tonight by sharing a true story about a young woman. About a month ago, I was reading a a book about 21st century Baptist martyrs. That's the name of the book. I, I didn't say 20th century. I didn't say 19th century. I said 21st century Baptist martyrs. And that caught my attention, and I I got that book, and I started reading it. And I read about a young lady named Karen Watson. Karen Watson was born in Bakersfield, California. Uh, The the pastor of the church I was in last Sunday night up in Illinois, he used to live out near Bakersfield, 
uh, Bakersfield, California. He knew the place very well. Karen grew up in a broken home, just like half of the children in America today are growing up in a broken home. She grew up in a broken home, and uh, even her friends today will tell you it was rough. Um, she loved her mom. She loved her dad. She especially loved her grandma. And when she was young, her grandma uh, sadly died, and, and that was heartbreaking for Karen. While she continued to grow up, her father was doing a tree removal project, and in that tree removal project, there was a freak accident, and her father was killed while trying to remove that tree. She continued to grow up, and for the first time in her life, she got a job, and she got excited because she met somebody, and they fell in love, and, and for the first time in her life, she said, I'm going to be happy. And I'm not kidding you, one of the most incredible things, before they could even get married, that man and both of his parents were killed in a triple homicide. Somebody broke into their home and shot and killed all of them. She was devastated, brokenhearted. Shortly after that, she started working for the sheriff's department out there, and she met someone who shared the love and compassion of the gospel of Jesus Christ with Karen at work, and she got saved. Changed her life. She started going to that little Baptist church. She started getting involved in the, in the children's ministry and in the missions program. In fact, her first seven years as a child of God, she went on nine mission trips. She got excited about missions. She came back, she said, we have got to do more for missions. This is God's program in the world. We have got to do more in our church for missions. She got so passionate about missions around the world that she felt led of the Lord to learn the Arabic language, so that she could especially reach Muslims. And this was years ago. She went to Iraq to learn Arabic. Uh, one of the guys that was involved in teaching her and so forth, his name was Salam. That's peace in Arabic. And uh, his name was Salam and his family, and she got to know them. And, and, and through her time there in Iraq, Salam trusted Christ as his Savior, this Muslim man. Incredible. Incredible. Well, uh, in 2013, 2014, uh, you know there was a buildup to the Iraq war. And so all Americans, of course, and foreigners in general had to leave Iraq. And so she left Iraq. She went to the neighboring country. Now, you got to remember, Karen, she, it wasn't like she had a house to come back to. When she left for the field, she sold her house. She sold her car. She put every possession that she owned inside one duffel bag and went to Iraq. Incredible. Well, when the invasion in Iraq took place on March 15, 2004, Karen and four other Baptist missionaries were in the first wave of missionary and relief workers. That's what they called them, relief workers. They, they were missionaries, but the, the government called them relief workers, all right? And, and they were into Iraq to help set up water projects and help get things and women and children and so forth. And she knew Arabic, so she was a great help and so forth. One of their first projects as, as things started to, quote, stabilize, was her and those four other missionaries, Baptist missionaries, were sent to Mosul. Now, wait a minute. Does that sound familiar? Didn't I mention that at the beginning of the message? Basically, they sent her to Nineveh. I mean, right across the river from Nineveh to do and survey for a water project up there. And they never arrived. Their convoy was attacked by insurgents, and four of those five missionaries were shot and killed right there on the world. One of them was medevaced out and she survived, but Karen Watson was not one of the survivors. She died 
that day on the road to Mosul. He said, Brother Ben, why in the world would you end a message on such a terrible story? Well, at Karen Watson's funeral, she had left a letter with her pastor there in California that if anything happened to her, that letter was for him. It was written on it, open in case of death. The pastor read her letter at her funeral. I'm just going to read one sentence, two sentences from this letter. She said, quote, To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory is my reward. I was called not to comfort or to success, but to obedience. I was called not to comfort or to success, but to obedience. God said, arise and go. And Karen Watson said, I don't understand it. I've lived a rough life, but God, that's your program, and I am going to obey. Now, I share that story because she never reached Mosul, and Mosul is open again for the gospel. Somebody needs to fill those shoes. Somebody needs to take the gospel to Nineveh. Somebody needs to take the gospel to ISIS. I'm going to tell you right now, ISIS is not going to be defeated by bullets or politicians. It's only going to be defeated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Boko Haram in Cameroon and Al-Qaeda and these, these terrorist networks around the world. I mean, I know we're not politically correct supposed to call it World War III, but a global war on terror is World War III, all right? And the only way you're going to win that war is by the gospel. That's it. That is it. We must today arise and go. We must arise and go to countries like India, more than a billion people, most of whom have never heard the gospel. We need to arise and go to countries like China, more than a billion people, most of whom have never heard the gospel. I could go on and on. That map back there on your back wall is full of countries and continents that need the gospel. What are we supposed to do? Do what Karen Watson did. Obey. We're to arise and go. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for this invitation to come and share and brag on what you are doing in Cameroon to, to recruit and, and, pray and ask for prayer warriors who will pray for those other five regions of Cameroon. Father, I thank you for this privilege to preach behind this pulpit and to share the good news, the results. We didn't even get to the last verses of Jonah, but Lord, these folks know the rest of the story. That you saved the lives of tens of thousands of people in that village, in that town, because they believed in God. Lord, there are villages and towns and cities all over this world who would repent and believe if somebody obeyed and went, if they arose and went, with the good news of the gospel. Father, that is your program. May we not be content with comfort. May we not be content with running from the presence of the Lord. But may we today say yes to your Holy Spirit's calling and leading, whatever it might be in any individual's life tonight. Whether it be arise and go to that next door neighbor, or whether it be arise and go to Nineveh or Cameroon. Lord, may we say yes 
to your leading tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. 